worthy is the Lamb of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just give me a little layer of strings. This is a psalm from David in the Psalms, of course, where he's crying for help. And this is what he says. He says, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will wake up early. And he goes on and he says, For the mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches unto the clouds. But be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and the glory above all the earth, that my beloved might be delivered, save with your right hand, and answer me. David knew how to touch the heart of the Lord because he knew how to mourn. He understood that there was a time and a season for all things and all places. And he knew how to exalt, how to become low. He knew how to cry, he knew how to rejoice. But the one thing that he always found his way back to was a passion and a hunger for the Spirit of God. And so his ultimate cry was, Lord, no matter what I go through, no matter what I deserve, no matter what I've done to myself or to somebody else, take not your Holy Spirit from me. That's my cry. And it's not because I've gone through a valley moment where the Holy Spirit recently has been taken from me. But it's because I have such a passion for the Holy Spirit of God. And I know you do too. So this morning, I want to just bring some foundation and revelation and heart to that. And I want you to be strengthened and encouraged in the might of His Holy Spirit with understanding and with power. Understanding without power is really useless for us. And power with understand, without understanding can cause us to wonder what is happening. You know, I want to share with you a, a desperate time in my life that the Holy Spirit has just reminded me of. You see, I'd been ministering in the Lord for some years prior to that. Possibly about 14 years. And God had used me mightily in different parts of the world for different things as an evangelist, as a teacher, sometimes to prophesy. Many different nations, difficult assignments, sometimes all by myself. But then I dared to touch the glory. You see, I'd pursued the glory, but I hadn't touched it. And I'll never forget being in Jerusalem at the end of a Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, which, by the way, is right now upon us. And we were there at the Feast of Tabernacles, and an event had just ended. And the director of the ICJ at that time pulled me aside while we were leaving as often he would do sometimes throughout those years. And he said, Frank, what is the Lord telling you for next year? And it 
didn't hesitate. It blurted right out of me. I said, the Lord's telling us to move from glory to glory. And that became the theme, and so he got a hold of me shortly thereafter. He said, I want you to bring the theme message and address, and please write what God has given you so that we know how to move from the glory to glory. I dared to touch the glory. And so throughout that year, I was somewhat excited, and of course I was studying up more and more and more on the glory of God as I had been for all of my saved years. I've always had a passion for the glory. But I wasn't a prepared vessel for the glory. I thought I was. I was saved. I ministered. I knew how to go in and out of the world. One foot in the world when it needed to be, the other one in the ministry when it could be. Carrying some things with me. Felt okay to sweep them under the carpet when they needed to be. And I'll forget that uh, it was on a 4th of July with good intentions. My wife and I celebrating with some refuseniks in Liberty because I'd been an ambassador to the refuseniks. I actually went to the Soviet Union when it was the Soviet Union, got arrested there to bring comfort and medicine and the word to the refuseniks. So it seemed right, it was righteous to go to a picnic for the refuseniks that some Jewish friends held to celebrate these people that got out of the Soviet Union and welcome them to Youngstown, Ohio. And I remember biting into a piece of chicken. It didn't quite taste right, but I've eaten stuff all over the world that didn't taste right, so I finished it. And that night with our children at a fireworks display, I began to sweat profusely and I got very sick. And I told my wife, I need to go home. And she knows I don't get sick often, but when I do, my MO is just leave me alone and, and, and uh, I'll come back out of this, don't bother me. So I did. And she didn't bother me until the next morning when she was getting ready to leave for the university. She was working on one of her degrees. She peeked in on me, and I wasn't looking too good. Green, semi-conscious, eyes rolled back. And uh, I don't even remember a conversation, so she called my brother, who's a doctor. He came over and said, this isn't good. He's completely dehydrated. I don't know what's wrong with him. we got to pump some stuff up. So right then and there, he, he gave me some bags of stuff pumping into my veins, and so I perked back up some, and I said, I'll be all right, leave me alone. I'll shake this loose. He said, I prefer you go to the hospital and we find out what this is. I said, I'll be all right. And so off she went, and off he went, and down I went. When she came back, there they were again, eyes rolled back, sweating, 104, 105, 106. I don't know what the fever was. Semi-conscious. So off to the hospital. They ran all kind of tests, but unfortunately they'd already lost most of my, my vials of blood. Somehow they lost them. 
So they never were able to really scientifically, medically say this was absolutely what you had. But I didn't care because I was feeling better. About five days later, they let me out. I was told I had a near-death experience with my organs shutting down, my kidneys and everything shutting down. I felt pretty alive. Went back to my house, and life as usual. Now the pressure was on to prepare for glory to glory because they sent it out ahead of time. That was my main focus. But something happened. About a week later, woke up in the middle of the night and my body was totally swollen, inflamed, red. You couldn't even touch it. It was so sore, aching in every bone. Pain I'd never experienced and thought was possible before. Not in just one controlled area, all over my body. Even my lips hurt. How many of you ever had a lip hurt? Everything hurt. Rubbed my head, the skin hurt. So I lived like that for a couple days till it didn't go away, and then finally went to the hospital and went to a rheumatoid specialist after they'd been through about four more, and he pronounced upon my wife and I that I had severe arthritis, rheumatism, arthritic rheumatism of the worst kind, of which there's no cure, and that I should get used to being in a wheelchair medicated for the pain which I was in. My wife wasn't receiving that word. A couple children in the house. She had a healthy husband just two weeks before. So she told him, well, I'm not accepting that, and wheeled me out of the hospital. All I wanted her to do was not hit a bump, because every time she did, it hurt. And she began to put me on a faith walk back. But you see, the one thing I didn't tell her, that that mass of flesh that was sitting in that wheelchair... I wouldn't cry out, I just would bite it. I didn't complain to her every moment what the pain was. I just bit it. But I didn't tell her that I was desperate because it seemed as if the Lord had taken His Holy Spirit away from me for the first time since I was saved. I was hollow and empty inside. All of my mechanisms that I'd relied upon in some of the most difficult circumstances were gone. When I prayed, I didn't hear his voice. When I cried out, I didn't feel his compassion. I was empty. It was dreadful. So because of the faith of my wife, I slowly but surely got some of the pain out of my body, enough to where I could walk a little. And I remember the first time I went back to my office after being gone over five weeks. I got into a car and I pulled over so many times. You know, I love Ohio, but I hate the potholes. Every one of those holes. Anybody ever had that surge, kind of surge? You hit that pothole, you know, oh, 
you want to go and sue the county engineer. I made it to my office and I crawled my way up in, sat at my desk, put my legs up on a wastebasket. And my secretary at the time, I just saw her about a month ago. Her name was Sandy. She came into my office and got right in my face, this close. Not what I was looking for at the moment. And she said, Frank, I want to share with you. I have to tell you something. And I said to her, Sandy, can't you see this is not a good time for me? I just need to adjust here a little bit. I didn't want to tell her that I'm in such pain I'm seeing red or that I'm so empty I'm not hearing from God. And she said, yes, but they're calling you from Jerusalem almost every day and they want to know what the word is. They've got to send it out. And I just shook my head. I had nothing. Absolutely nothing. And she said, well, I have to tell you what just happened. I have to share with you what I saw. Threw my hands up. I said, if you must, go ahead. And I sat back in self-pity, half listening and half not listening, just wanting her to finish and get out of my face. And she said, Frank, last night, I was in my bed praying for you. I was asking God when he was going to heal you because so many people need you. And many of us can't even believe you're like this. And she said, something happened. It was as if I went to sleep, but I wasn't asleep. It was like a vision. And, and, and there was a man who knocked at my door. He knocked at my door. And I went to the door. And when I looked, his face was glowing. His eyes were like there was fire. And he said, tell my son that I touched him and tell him that I wanted him to have the passion of his heart. And I've heard him. I've changed his heart. And now I heal him. Tell him to go. Go with the glory. To go with the glory. I looked at her. I began to weep. I asked her if she would leave me alone now, please. I watched her walk out of my office like this. Because she was born crippled. I began to repent of all the times that I grieved the Holy Spirit because I used him like a messenger boy. All the times that I went into fellowship with the Holy Spirit with sin in my own spirit. All the times that I used him like a microwave 
I fell to my face. I wept. I cried. And then something wonderful happened. He gave me back his spirit. I went from tears to rejoicing. The joy of our salvation is the Holy Spirit of God. My God, take not your spirit from me. I then said, Lord, you used quite an unusual servant to bring me that message. And this is what he said to me. She was praying for you to walk. When did you pray for her to walk? I did take the message of the glory. I did give it. And when I released the glory and said, this is the knowledge of the glory of God being released upon the earth, that was in 1994. In the basement of the Benyaneahuma, the same place where the Holocaust trials were held, the criminal trials. On one end, there was a justice being served by man. On the other end, there was a righteousness being served by God in the same theater. And downstairs in the Benyaneahuma, 800 pastors and ministers from around the world, the glory of the God came into that place. We fell flat on our faces and the floor shook. And at that point I prophesied out and I said, now we will begin to see the manifestations but not the true glory. And we'll see them in North America and Europe and Australia. And right after that the Toronto Blessing broke out and then London Square and then Australia with the soaking parties. But that's just a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And so... We have to have hearts that are prepared. So many of us say we want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We want all that God has for us. But I challenge you as I challenge myself. Are we as kind to the Holy Spirit as He is to us? The Holy Spirit is the most gentle, vulnerable, expression of the relationship of the Father with us. It's as if the Father has taken His heart, all of Him, totally uncovered, vulnerable, saying, I'm not going to hold it back. I'm going to trust you with everything that's in me, all of my spirit, because you've come to me through the blood, so you can come to me. So I'm going to give you the most cherished treasure I have, my heart. And the Holy Spirit is there presenting to us God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit totally unmasked, totally uncovered, without condition, on this one premise. And the Lord says, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you with my heart. 
He's a God of grace. Only grace can save us with that kind of a heart. Because, beloved, we're not trustworthy. In ourselves, we're not trustworthy. We fall short so many times. Everyone falls short of grace. But He has established a way that we cannot fail. And it's called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was made sin who had never sinned that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So it's not a matter of who you might or might not be at a given moment. It's who He is all the time. And so Jesus Christ said, Father, I'll go, and I'm going to pay the price, but when I pay it, this is what He said in John 17, keep them in Your name, those whom I give You. You're being kept. I've always wondered what it would be like to be a kept man. We're being kept. No, you're not a boy toy. You're being kept by God. That's for somebody listening. You know, the funny thing happens with me every time that somebody on the left or ultra-right wants to take a shot, they find one of my programs on YouTube and they cut a little excerpt out of it and then they say, he said this. So, who knows what they'll say about what I just said. Ask me if I care. <laughs> the Holy Spirit of God. I'd just like to go through some quick scriptures. And then what I want to do is to pray. I want to pray for us corporately, and I want to pray for you individually. I want to pray for there to be a stirring up of the gift of the Holy Spirit. God spoke to me very clearly, and He reaffirmed it to me many times throughout the night, that He wanted me to affirm the Holy Spirit to you, and that He would affirm His power to you in the Holy Spirit. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the... And so let's move in faith together for a moment. Just bear with me. Called Holy Spirit 101. And see what happens. May I have my little binder, please? It's so much easier than this. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. We can use some music to be prepared, maybe some soaking music, Nate, once we're uh, ready to go. You know, uh, some of you know, I just came back from South Florida. We still have our home there, which we're selling. And uh, my daughter and grandson live there, so I went down to button the house up, help some other people with their things, some elderly Koreans, and uh, prayed. So... All I'm going to tell you is I prayed and the storm moved away. I don't know what else to tell you. Now, I know there's a lot of other people that prayed too. I understand that. I understand it was a corporate prayer. But you know what, man? We stood right in the midst of that storm and commanded it out of there. 
And, uh, and, and, and I went to sleep. I slept like a baby the night it was supposed to hit, which my wife knows. I'm, I'm known very well for that. I've slept through them. I slept during God has just given me the power to sleep right through them. And I got up, turned the TV on in the morning, and they said something strange happened. It nudged a little this way, and it went that way. And I looked outside, and the birds were coming back, and everything was fine. And uh, I just praise God for that. It's a testimony to the power of prayer that we have and the move of God. So thank you, Lord. I want to share with you very quickly just a few scriptures. If you will, please. And I did share some this morning. I would encourage you to get that tape because it's a much more thorough um, understanding. That's why some of you come at 9. Some of you are coming in during it. But what that does is it layers and builds for what most always what God has where I can do more of a thorough Bible study for you. But John 2.27, if we could go there, please. And we understand that, that Jesus himself is the one who not only told us about the uh, Holy Spirit, but he also witnessed to us the Holy Spirit. And in his life, we saw the difference that it made when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's go to John 2.27. Not yet. Let me read it for you, please. Oh, no, John 2.27. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nate, you got to shake your head or something, son. Help me out, man. Let's go to uh, John 14, please. And verse, let's try 25. That's like telling you, go to the book of Jude, chapter 3. See how everybody does. My earlier days, I used to love to tease people. You sow what you reap. John 14, 25. Jesus is on his way. He's told his disciples that it's about time for him to go. They're in panic mode. They're anxious. They say, what are we going to do without you? Uh, we don't know how to live anymore without you. You tell us what to do. You show us how to do it. If there's a storm, you take care of it. If we have to pay taxes, you make the money. If people are hungry, you make the bread. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. What are we going to do without you, Jesus? And he said, well, he said, these things I have spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things into your remembrance, whatsoever I have said with you. So peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, he is saying, I'm going to go, and let me just mesh a whole bunch of scriptures together. He said, the Holy Spirit is great. In one way, he says he's greater than I. He doesn't mean that he's greater. There's no such thing as the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost being segregated. They are one. But it is the sense where he's saying, for your purpose of what God's going to do with you here on the earth, what we're going to do, he's greater for this purpose than I am in the flesh. Because he's in the Holy Spirit. He's the Spirit of God. Notice that he says he's going to bring to remembrance the words that I have given you. Now, yes, the words that he gave us that are in our red print that are in the Bible. But he's the living word. So all of the word that has ever been spoken and that he will speak, the Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. Jesus said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have the Holy Spirit tell you things that he has not heard or seen from me and the Father. He is going to tell you truth. 
He will only show you and share with you what He has seen from the Father. I want you to understand something. Jesus Christ, you are seated with Him in heavenly places. How many of you know that? You are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. And if you're seated with Him in heavenly places, then if we know where He's seated, then we might understand where we are seated. He is seated in the bosom of the Father. He is right there at ground zero, the epicenter. There is no closer place to be than in Jesus, in the heart of the Father. You are seated with Him there. Too often we want to say, if only heaven would come to earth. But we have to understand, you are citizens of heaven already. You are there. And he says, so what the Holy Spirit is saying, that he will show unto you. I want you to understand something. This isn't a long-distance communication. We used to joke that we love to be in Jerusalem because it's, it's not a long-distance phone call to the Lord. But I want you to understand something, that the Holy Spirit is not a long-distance call for you to the Father. You are right there with Him in the bosom of Jesus Christ. And what is being said is being said directly. Listen to me now. Not just the words of the gospel, but the creative words of your life. Jesus is putting into place and order everything for you just now at the right moment, and the Holy Spirit is slamming that into your spirit. And deep is calling to deep, and right there there's a communication process that's never interrupted going on. Total uninterruption between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit with you with you. How big is your problem? How big is your God? What is your situation? He already knows. Here's the, dis here's the difference. He knows the future, yes. and he knows the past. So he's not surprised. He's not just going to have a contingency plan. Listen to me. I just went through a, a situation where they had so many models forecasting so many things, and none of them came true. You understand? Every one of their models missed it because none of them understood the finger of God pushing that thing out this way for four hours to go this way to there, to go there. And I even wrote it a couple days to some of you and I was mocking and laughing at it because I said, so many scientists, so much experience, you get a headache. They just put it on television 24-7. People stare there. They look at it. They run to Home Depot. They steal everything that's on the shelves. People fighting each other to get that last bit of stuff. Uh, the lines at, at the fuel stations passed up before. People literally getting in fistfights because one car caught in front of another car. It was crazy. It always gets that way. But let man understand he's mocked and God is true. And so we understand that God doesn't have contingency plans for us. He has a Holy Spirit communicating plan for us that's perfect. God is perfect. And he's right there. He's created it so that you're right there. You don't have to run. You don't have to seek it. You don't have to wonder if you missed it. You need to accept in faith and understand that you're right there. God has you not only in the palm of his hand, he's put you into his heart, right in the bosom. Jeremiah said that he would write into your heart, not tablets of stone. Do you know why? Because you're in his heart now. And, and he's in your heart. Your hearts have been merged. You've been meshed. You are one. The Lord is into oneness. For us to understand God, we must understand everything in the concept of one. Everything God does is about relationship, fellowship. And Jesus himself prayed, Father, I pray that you make them one, even as we are one, you and me, me and you, we in them. In Ephesians 2, it says that we have been made one with him in Christ Jesus. 
we understand that the body of Christ is one body. We are one body in one Lord in the oneness of God. Us and Him. Him and you. So let me ask you something. Does God need a contingency plan for Himself? Absolutely not. So we're going to establish here quickly that the Holy Spirit is real. He's working. He's alive. We know in Pentecost He shook the mountain, the, the, the room. But that was a different time. It isn't that the Holy Spirit has changed. There was a witness that was necessary at that time. They needed to see the fire over the heads. They needed to see that people were understanding in different languages. You know why? Because God understands in different languages. It was a manifestation of God. It was showing to all those different people that were there at that time that the Holy Spirit is for everyone no matter what language you spoke. We know through faith. We're not the ones who have to see the fire over our heads. We accept God in faith. And because of that, I think we have a little bit bigger reward. Because God says faith pleases Him. And it's better that you believe without seeing. You understand? But we see in the Spirit, and we know in the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is alive and working in us. Jesus and the Father sent the Holy Spirit to us. And because of that, we are those that can rejoice. I'd like you to go with me, please, to, um, let's go to Romans 1, 16 through 20. I want to establish faith, first of all, please. I'm going to move very quickly. I'm going to establish these foundations for us, and then we're going to activate in the Holy Spirit. The just shall live by faith. How many of you recall that? It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. We are those that have been created to walk in the Holy Spirit, correct? We could, I'm not going to get into all the scriptures today. We would never get done. We have been created to walk in the Holy Spirit. That means to live in the Holy Spirit. The just, those who are called to walk in the Holy Spirit, they shall do this by faith, by faith, by faith. Don't expect the Holy Spirit to, to be the one that has to move, you move first with faith and then Him go. We want to understand the just shall live by faith. You have to be living in general faith. What do I mean by general faith? Well, general faith says, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's general faith. General faith establishes that the Holy Spirit is real, alive, and working in your life now. That's the just shall live by faith. Yes, it's the Word of God, and yes, it has a lot to do with Christ and the righteousness, but we're talking now about the Holy Spirit. The just shall live by faith. How do you walk in the Holy Spirit? By faith. And if you accept that, then it becomes easy, not harder, easy. What kind of faith? Faith that you have already established and determined the Holy Spirit is in me, I'm in the Lord, and I'm going to walk in the Holy Spirit because the Lord says I do. I do, not I will, I do. Change your vocabulary. Change your mindset of who you are. If we say I will, then it means that you're not. Do you understand but I believe, even at your worst moment, let me tell you about some of my worst moments in the day. That moment is, I pray up usually in bed before I get out of there. But then, reality hits. And I get in the bathroom, I look in the mirror, and things aren't quite looking like they did when I went to sleep. And I'm not sure what happened. But something happened at night, and it's not pleasant. 
and I look at that, and I'm not feeling all holy and almighty. And I'm beginning to think about all the things that come down upon my head that I need to do. But in that moment, I don't say, I will walk in the Holy Spirit. I say, I am walking in the Holy Spirit. We need to determine that God is already directing your steps, not with a contingency plan, but with a perfect plan. How perfect is God? All perfect. Does God make junk? No. Does God want a relationship with you? Yes. Is God looking to be in relationship with things that are imperfect? No. How does he make it perfect? Through the blood into him. You are his perfection because of who he is, not because of who you are. Now listen to me, or who you aren't. More important, who you aren't. Because I don't know about you, but I can fall short a lot. I can fall short of my own expectations. Nobody's harder on me than me. Nobody feels like I blew it more than I did. More, nobody wonders why somebody's doing something or other. What did I do? Did I, nobody asks the questions more than I do about me. But I have to remember that it's not because of me, it's because of Him. And we have to walk in that grace of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is far more than the power to heal. The Holy Spirit is far more than the words of knowledge and the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is first and foremost about you in your relationship with Him. All the rest of it is the fruits of the Spirit. You understand? It's about you and your relationship with Him. The reason why He sent His Holy Spirit, His heart, He took His heart and He put it in your hands, right in your heart. The reason why He did is because He wants a heart-to-heart relationship. And He's willing to pay the price for you to have that relationship with Him. He gave us 1 John 1, 9. He said, confess your sins, and I'm going to be righteous and forgive you again and put you right back in the place of relationship. And we understand that Christ did pay the ultimate price. Now, I want to share with you, I don't have time to go there, but I shared earlier there was a scripture where it says when he was uh, descended into hell, we were baptized with him, correct? We were baptized with him in his death, and then after he justified us, he resurrected Your justification came before your righteousness. That's the point I'm making for you. He paid the price to justify you before he gave you the righteousness. So when he did and was justified, then the father said to him, Okay, son, here's my heart. Go put it in him. Go put it in him. Knowing the price and the risk that he was about to pay with with, with an unrepentant humanity that, that, that so easily follows its lusts and its flesh and its old patterns, its own thieveries, its own gossip its own hatred, its own bigotries, so easily missteps God and so easily likes to, to, to uh, uh, justify things uh, unrighteously in the name of God. How many things have been justified unrighteously in the name of God by godly people? Can you imagine what that does to the heart of the Lord? He gives us His heart, and then we have people that say that they could do such a thing because it's godly. And, and, and we had a great example of that here at the altar on Friday morning when we came together as a church and, and, and God sent somebody here to open our eyes to understand how deep cut the Ku Klux Klan had been in this area and how there were people in this audience that were here that day who were carrying baggage from Ku Klux Klan family members that had to get rid of it and how we had people, beloved people, who had been the abuse of the Ku Klux Klan or their families. And, and at the same time, these Ku Klux Klaners were determining that they were doing God's work. Do you understand the Lord gives us His heart? And it's what we do with His heart. Now, that's a, that's a dramatic 
uh, uh, example. But you know what? I'm not ashamed to tell you that many times I realize that I'm not being the protector of God's heart that I should be. Many times I need a little more agape. I need a little bit more love. Many times I need to, to as we say in Italian, and it was hillbilly Italian, but they say, shut your mouth. Many times I just have to shut up. Many times I just have to wait on the Lord. Many times I have to say, I don't feel it, I don't like it, but I'm not going to do it. And we have to pray through it. Amen? Amen. And, and that's to protect God's heart with us because He's entrusted us with His Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand, yes, we're going to activate in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to activate gifts of healing, gifts of knowledge, gifts of wonder, gifts of understanding. But first and foremost, a deeper, richer relationship with God because that's where He wants. That pleases the Father. I was sharing, and you know, it's been one year since my mother passed away. This, is, this was yesterday. And so, you know, it hit me a little hard because I'd spent some time alone and I never really took time off to grieve. I was sharing that earlier. And, 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 and you know, it just hit me a little bit. I got through it. I'm fine. But, I, you know, I just had my own times and moments with it and understanding. And I was sharing how my mother, and I was her pastor for several years, she would say to me, and my nickname was Stormy. She said, hey, Stormy, I, I don't understand, you know, I... Uh, I'm, I have the Holy Spirit, but I just, don't, I just don't pray in tongues. And I say, Mom, don't worry about that. That's fine. It's not an expression. If, if you don't pray in tongues, it doesn't mean you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You hear from God. You help people. You bless people. You're moved into compassion. You have the fruits of the Spirit working in your life. They evidence and they example. Mom, don't worry about it. And I was laughing earlier saying it's probably because she also spoke Italian. Maybe that was her language. I don't know. But you see why it bothered her? Because somewhere, somehow, somebody had said, if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That is not true. Amen. That is not true. Now, do I speak in tongues? Yes. Are tongues of the Holy Spirit? Yes. Why do I speak in tongues? To edify, to build up, because I'm praying a lot of times, and it builds me up in the Holy Ghost. And sometimes there's a, there's, there's, there's a word given in tongues and somebody else will, will uh, interpret that. That's all of God, but we don't have to live by that. What we do have to live by is our relationship with God in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to challenge you as I challenge my, myself. Why don't we just be a little bit more protective of the Holy Spirit in us? You know, I'm looking upon fathers and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers and children, and, and I can tell you right now, I'm looking at every one of your faces. Man, somebody goes after one of your babies, one of your grandchildren, you're going to come out like a cat. They, they got a cat fight on their hands, right? There's, there's a ball back coming out. You better head for the heels. That's how we need to be with our Holy Spirit Father. We need to protect the Holy Spirit like a cat. We need to say, you know what, I'm not going there, you're not taking me there. I was sharing there are things we set in our lives, parameters we set in our lives. You don't need again to wonder about those parameters. I'm going to challenge every man and woman in here. You don't need to wonder, what are you going to do when pornography comes at you? Make up your mind. It ain't got no place with me. You don't need to pray about it when it comes. You already prayed about it. You just need to react on it. What are you going to do when it's time and you're tempted to steal? You need to say, nope, I already made up my mind. Might have done it, could do it. I ain't doing it in Jesus' name. No, I'm not doing it. These are precepts in our heart that we make up. Now let's go to the other side. 
How many of you say that you want to love like Jesus loves? Remember those bracelets, what would Jesus do? Man, I remember seeing people wearing those things, and they tear your eyeballs out the minute you talk to them. I remember being on Wall Street, and this one man had this, what would Jesus do? And after he got done trying to pick my pocket, I'm thinking to myself, well, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> you see, we can't just wear it on our sleeve. we got to make decisions in our heart. What would Jesus do? Well, I tell you, you want more agape, more love, you better be willing to love people that are hard to love. God's going to give you someone difficult. I get those experiences in my life all the time. It's real easy to say, I love you with the heart of Jesus. Do you? Will you? Can you? You've got to make up your mind when that difficult person comes around. You already made up your mind. Lord, I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them with your love. I don't know if I can love them with my love, but I'm going to love them with your love. Amen. You've got to make up your mind. And I'm going to tell you something else. The body of Christ needs to be the last ones to judge people. Hey, the body of Christ needs to be the last ones to judge people. But you know what? We're finding out the body of Christ loves to be righteous, but not to practice righteousness. If something's under the blood, it's under the blood. You understand? You want to pick me apart, have a go at it. What, what, what amazes me is when the left goes after me, they don't even know 90% of me the stuff they should be talking about. They're talking about the lightweight stuff. It's all under the blood. It's all under the blood. And the same with you. It's under the blood. And when other people come, we don't want to have to measure how long have they known the Lord. Is that correct? God says when it's under the blood, it's under the blood. The Holy Spirit is there after the blood. Everything is purged through the blood. Thank God that the Holy Spirit is without measure for everybody under the blood. For everybody under the blood. So, I want to, I want to just keep moving. Let me move very quickly here. Romans 1.20, please. Just skip ahead a couple of scriptures. There we go. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by all things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. I want to focus, no, go backwards. His invisible attributes. The attributes of God are abundant in all. Right? We've discussed here many times, and I've taught you, that there's no one attribute of God that is greater or lesser than any one other attribute. His grace is not less than His love. His love isn't less than His faith. Every attribute of God is equal. God is self-sufficient in Himself. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's almighty. He's everywhere at all times. We understand all of that. And so when God moves in His Holy Spirit, this is what's, uh, what I want you to get to. He is, the Holy Spirit is manifesting the invisible attributes of God so that they are clearly seen. How are they seen? In us. In us. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the... If you're the branch, what are you getting your living resources from? Your nourishment from the vine, right? What bears fruit? The branch. So... Who bears fruit, the Lord or you? You. You are the fruit bearers. What kind of fruit do you have? Well, you should have the fruit that's flowing through the living word of the vine, right? And the good news about your fruit is it has seed in it, right? I love how many of you have planted seeds from a fruit. It, what kind of fruit comes out? The same kind you planted. So you have fruit that regenerates the same seed that you have. How good is that seed? That seed is an immaculate conception. I'm going to show you why. 
It's an immaculate conception. Because that seed is by the Spirit, not by you. If it was by you, you could taint it. But the Spirit that comes in the fruit of God is immaculate. It cannot be perverted. It cannot be contaminated. So its invisible attributes are clearly seen. And how are they ministered? By the invisible Spirit to be clearly seen. The Holy Spirit is taking that which is invisible of God to the natural mind, and He is making it visible through us to the natural world. And they will know, know us by our fruits. You are known by your fruits. Say, well, that guy, he's fast to anger. Huh. That guy, he's this. That guy, he's this. They will know you by your fruits. Now, here's something else I want you to understand. When you have been regenerated and you've become a new creation in Christ, then all the former things have passed away. It doesn't mean people are going to forget them about you, but God did. So you need to also. You understand? God did, and you need to also. We need to be a church of righteousness that is not placing judgment upon people. Because just decide where you're going to stop judging. It's your choice. Nothing disturbs me more than to see people who wear their Christianity on their sleeve and are the first ones to judge somebody else's problems. So that bothers me a lot because I always want to say, Jesus, where are you at? I just wish you could say to them, before you judge somebody else and the speck in their eye, why don't you get the telephone pole out of your own eye? You understand? And, and, or how about when Jesus rode in the, in the temple? Who's the first one? to cast a stone against this woman caught in adultery, caught in adultery, which one of you is without sin? And they all ran out the door. My God. We seem to just get the pieces of the Scriptures we like. Because if we have to wear the ones that we don't like, that means we have to repent and change, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit will bring to mindset everything in our conscience that we need. How many of you have ever had a check in the Spirit? about something you knew it was wrong now this is going to be now i'm going to ask about really honesty here honest time how many of you knew when you had a check in the spirit and you did it anyway <laughs> how many of you wished afterwards you hadn't <laughs> and how many of you said lord i'm gonna to listen to you next time <laughs> will you just forgive me this time and help me get out of this hey <laughs> yeah. and still his heart is there Still, his heart is there, and he loves us with that same heart no matter what. My God. My God. So I'm going to encourage you that as we pray for the Holy Spirit to activate, that we pray for our sensitivity to discernment to grow also. He's giving it to us. Are we listening? He's giving it to us. Are we acting? He's giving it to us. Are we reacting? Are we staying when we should stay? Or are we going when we should go? Are we staying quiet when we should stay quiet? Or are we speaking when we should speak? We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. To, be have, to have all the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and not to fellowship with Him is a fool. We need to quit being fools. And so, yes, it's wonderful to want all the gifts. And, you know, people, we want to impress each other with our gifts. We've all been there at some point in time. Nothing's more amazing than to see a whole assemblage of prophetic people get together and all start using their gifts. Man alive, you walk out of there with a head about this big. You got a headache when you're all done. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. You say, hey, I can't hear anymore. 
We need to be able to walk in that humility that says God is with me. And I want to share something else with you too. There's, there's good stuff happening in the apostolic prophetic move. And like in any move, there's some baggage that needs to be cleared up. And one of those is, don't be afraid about missing the word of the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit. I, I, mm, I heard somebody, mm, mm. don't be afraid about missing the word of the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit. I know people that are chasing the word of the Lord all over the place, but they're not stopping allowing the Holy Spirit to just dwell with them and move with them. Amen. You don't need to chase the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is in you. He's with you. You've got the word of the Lord in you. Listen to him and allow him to speak. And he will affirm it. He will affirm it. Receiving the word of the Lord is not hard. Receiving the, the word of the Lord is as simple as allowing him to speak to you. Amen. All right, let's move on very quickly now. I want to go to um, 2 Peter 1.4. This is a foundational scripture. I've, I've used it with you before, but I needed to, to lay this foundation down. By which we have been given to us exceedingly... Can you go to the uh, 1, 3, and 8 just before it? As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Has He left anything out? No. He's given to us all things. That, that should excite you. That means everything that you need, everything that He has for you, He has given to you. You don't have to earn it. You can't lose it. God has given it to you. And, and That pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. I'm not going to teach on that. Let's go on to the next one. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. What kind of promises? Exceedingly great and precious promises. How much does God have for you? Exceedingly. What's it called? Abundance. Can you hold it? No, it's boundless. It's Him. You can't limit God. You can't measure God. You can't quantify God. You can't qualify God. He is the best of everything, of anything, at all times, everywhere. And He says that by His power, He has given you these exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, you may be partakers of His divine nature. His divine nature is all that He is. How much love do you need today? He's got more than enough. How much grace do you need today? He's got more than enough. Are you hurting? Do you need some provision? He's got more than enough. Are you needing to heal? He has more than enough. All of this is given to you. You just need to partake of His divine nature. Now, let me lay right there. The Holy Spirit has already connected you uh, with, with the dots are touching. There's no, the terminals are right there. There's nothing between them. There's no wafer that needs to be removed. You are fully connected in the Holy Spirit of God with God for all things at all times. So why aren't you receiving them? Ask the pastor a tough question. Stump the pastor. Why aren't you receiving them? Is it God's fault? I think it might be. Moi. Why is it my fault? Well, because number one, I love to look at this watch. And if this watch is telling me that I'm running out of time, I begin to get anxious. And I begin to want to move faster in time. I want to get ahead of God. Even though God is in time, He's above time, He's all around time, time doesn't bother God, He's got us in His heart, and His timing is perfect. But I want to get ahead of God. I need it right now. 
I want it now. You can't give it to me now, God, then, then this must be you. And don't you know that the enemy of your soul will give you a contingency plan that's not God's when you're anxious? Yeah. How many of you know that at that moment you'll have some options? You might have two or three, and you'll say, well, it must be God. I just need to know which one it is. What if it's none of them? You understand, we need to allow God to move and rest, and a lot of times we don't receive what we want for that reason. Number two, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He will add all things that you need unto you, direct your path, pick your choice. All of those exceedingly great promises. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Beloved, I'm here to tell you, you want to be walking in the Holy Spirit, then seek the kingdom of God. Right? Let's stump the pastor again. How do you seek the kingdom of God? Let's get practical. Teaching that's, that, that's not practical has no use to us. Right? So now we understand. One of the things we want to do to walk in the Spirit of God is to seek the kingdom of God. How do you seek the kingdom of God? You not only seek it in faith, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God alive in you. You alive in Him. His kingdom is in you now, and you are in His kingdom. You are not only citizens of the, of the kingdom, you're partakers of the kingdom. Let every kind bring forth its own kind. You're a branch. You have fruit. What kind of seed are you given? Is the seed all about you? Is it my seed, my seed? You think God's going to plant seed that's all about you? You're going to plant that seed. What will happen to it? It'll be just like... Just like Jonah's gourd, it'll come up at night, and when the sun gets hard, it's going to go back down, and that worm's going to come and take it. You can plant all the foul seed you want. You can steal money, and you can plant it in something. I'm going to tell you right now, the worm's going to come and eat it right back down. And not only are you going to lose what you did, you're going to have the shame of losing it, just like he did, and the shame of losing your promise. And how do we steal from God? We steal from God by making it about us and not about him. It's not that God has given you the Holy Spirit to be your servant. He has given you to be a servant to Him. Who do you serve is what the Lord is asking. Why do we receive from God? We receive from God to be in the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. I, I, I shared, I'll share it with you again, I'll share it with you again. I do not go to God with a list, a laundry list of my personal needs. I do not. I seek the kingdom of God, and I, and I believe him in his word. I said, Lord, I'm seeking the kingdom of God. You know more what I need than I'm more what I need. I might ask you for something I'm better off not having. I don't know. I might be asking for a steak where that might just give me the gout. I don't know. I don't, you, know you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to have pasta today. I don't know what I'm saying. Rice, give me, I don't know. Hey! God knows what I need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We need to seek God in everything that we're doing in His kingdom. What can I do for you, Lord, in your kingdom? How can you use me? Not what can you do for me. And when we do that, then the Holy Spirit directs our paths. When Jesus was tempted and led out into the wilderness, I don't have time to go there. What did it do? It said first he was filled with the Holy Spirit, then he was led into his journey. Beloved, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so let's stump the pastor. Pastor, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? I always ask myself the tough questions. Amen? No, not salvation. Salvation, salvation is your path for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Filling is a continuous flow with God. You can, you can lose the continuous flow with God. You can interrupt the flow with God. It doesn't mean you don't have all the potential. It doesn't mean the living waters aren't flowing. It doesn't mean that it's not all there for you. What it does mean is that something is interrupting the flow of the Holy Spirit. 
what can interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life? Sin. Sin. Arrogance. Pride. God hates those things. He hates those things. He doesn't say that they just get in the way. He says, I hate them. I hate them. Man, I don't want to be doing something that God hates. Woo, that's not a good place to be at. So, so we, need to, we need to be able to say that we're walking in the Spirit with all of the abundance flowing. And so, Pastor, so if that's it, how do I keep the Holy Spirit flowing in my life? You keep it by keeping your heart clear and your heart clean. I don't care if you have to confess ten times a day. Do it. Ten times a day. Amen. I remember uh, in, 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 in learning about drug addiction and addictions, I remember a, a man saying that when he was coming, uh, coming out of addiction, he didn't know if he had enough willpower to last one minute. So his prayer was, God, just let me get through this one minute. And then he said, I didn't know if I could last 10 minutes. And he said, Lord, just let me get through 10 minutes. And then he said, just about one hour. Then he said, just one day, Lord Jesus. Just one week, Lord Jesus. Just one month, Lord Jesus. You act to what you need to do to get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. If it's under the blood, the Holy Spirit's flowing. If it's not under the blood, the Holy Spirit's not flowing. The indwelling is still there. The potential is still there, but the living waters aren't flowing because you've dammed them up and you've blocked them up. You've got to get it under the blood. Now, I could give you all kinds of scriptures on it. We don't have time. You don't trust me and believe me, then meet me here Thursday night and we'll do a Bible study on it. How's that? Bottom line is I'm giving you practical understandings to walk in the Lord based upon firm foundation and experience in God. So, let's move on. Uh, divine nature. So he says that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, taking, imparting, ingesting everything that is of God, which is everything that he has, you are able to partake of it for what? To be able to use for the kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God. This is why he's given it to you. Um, I want to show James 1.18. It's very important. James 1.18. And in this it says, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. What were you brought forth by? His own will. His own will. How reliable is the will of God? You have been brought forth by the will of God. God didn't make a mistake. His will cannot be challenged. His will cannot be changed. His will is God's will. If God wills it and God says it, it is done. You have been brought forth by His will. What does it mean brought forth? You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been brought forth. You've been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're one new man, one new woman. You're in God. So you were brought forth by the will of God. So, and, and what? The Word, the Word, the Word, the Word of His truth. His Word cannot be moved out of you. That's why when you plant seeds in the Word, you may not see it, but it will surely grow and do what it's supposed to do because it brings forth. The Word brings forth. Let there be light. There became light. Let there be creatures. There became creatures. Let us make man in our image. There became man. Let there be, be peace in your life. There's peace in your life. Let there be salvation in your lost children. There's salvation in your lost children. You say, but pastor, I'm not seeing it. You will. You will. You hold on to that Word of God. You plant that Word because it's the will of God. When you pray according to His will, ask what you shall, and what? It will be given unto you. 
If you're praying according to His will, the Holy Spirit is just generating, just moving with a supernatural nuclear power that cannot be stopped because it's the will of God. And so in there, so why? That we might be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. The fruit is growing on your branch. That's a first fruit. Now what kind of first fruit are you bringing out? What's the seed of what you're bringing? If it's kingdom seed, I assure you that surely what you are praying and what you are planting will come to be. Nothing can stop it. If it's in the will of God, it is the will of the Lord that thine and thy whole house shall be praise God. Is that the will of God? Do you have to ask the Lord what His will is? No, you plant the seed. You plant the seed. You allow the Holy Spirit to water and you don't let go. You don't let go. You hold on. Okay, let me go on to two more scriptures, please. Um, 1 Peter 1.23. 1 Peter 1.23. Now we're going to have the difference between corruptible seed and good seed. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. You, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. Stop a minute. Jesus became a seed planted in the womb of a human named Mary. Correct? Was that seed corruptible? It was pure. Why? Because it was purely of God. It wasn't the egg of a woman and the sperm of a man. It was literally the Son of God planted in that temple. You were planted by the Word of God. Is the Word of God corruptible? No, because it's not of you, it's not of a man, it's not of a woman, it's of God. Amen? It cannot be corrupted. It says here that you were born of the incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Beloved, you want to seek the kingdom of God so that He adds all other things with you? Then plant incorruptible seeds. Come on! I just gave you a huge revelation about a victorious life in Christ. Plant incorruptible seeds. Seeds that man can't take, that birds can't take, that the devil can't steal. Incorruptible seeds that are truth of Jesus Christ and life abiding forever. The promises of God. Plant those seeds in your lives and in the lives of others and you will surely bear fruit. And that fruit will multiply. And the Lord says, try me in these things if you will not see that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon you that you will not be able to contain. The whole whole mystery of walking in a victorious Christian life is, is planting the right seeds. And don't get tired. How many of you ever worked on a farm? Right? You get tired working on a farm. You know, you get up in the morning, you're working hard, you go to bed late at night, and there's some times when you got to work harder than others. It's hard work. But one thing you know, if you keep laboring, you're gonna, that seed's going to come out, and it's going to yield something. You may have to pray away the, 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 the vermins that want to come steal it. You may have to pray away the scorching sun or the too much rain. You may have to work your way throughout all of that stuff, but what you plant will surely grow a harvest at its due time. It's the same way. Plant good seed because it will live and abide. Okay? Now let's go to this one. And it's incorruptible seed. You are the product of incorruptible seed. I have to, I have to, if I don't get any further, I must make this point. There's no junk in you. You understand? There's DNA. Man is trying to figure out 
how to change DNA to avoid some of the genetic abnormalities that, that come through lines, correct? You don't have to try to figure out how to change God's DDA inside of you. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's divine designed. It's perfect. It's His attributes. His divine design attributes. DDA inside of you. Perfect. Incorruptible. Nobody can corrupt it. It's, it's perfect of God. So I want you to understand that when you're walking in the Holy Spirit of God, its whole promise is that you have the fullness of God, all of His attributes that were invisible manifesting inside of you because you're incorruptible. You're incorruptible. Come on now. You are incorruptible. Do you understand what a promise of God that is? You can't be corrupted. You can't be corrupted. There's nothing that can corrupt you. There's nothing that will take you away from the love of God. Nothing high, nothing low, nothing wide, nothing above, nothing underneath. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. You are incorruptible. That's powerful. That's powerful. Okay, so finally, let's go to this. Let me go to this. The Holy Spirit is creative. Genesis 1, by the Holy Spirit, He moves and creates. The Holy Spirit in you is still creative. Yes. You say, but pastor, you know, what if I didn't know when I need this? Don't worry, the Holy Spirit's going to create it. But does that mean God didn't know it was coming? No, He just reserved it for creation for that time and brought it forth. Why did He reserve it for creation for that time? Because only God knew what He was going to create in your life at that given point. No beast, no devil, no person, nothing, no adversary. They had no clue what God had in your book of life coming for you at that time. But He did, and He's the Creator. And guess what? When you're a Creator, you still create. Don't ever get the mindset, God created, put everything in motion, and then stopped. He's still creating. I often laugh and scoff when I hear people say, but pastor, a third of the angels fell, and, 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 and that means there's two-thirds left. Oh, no. The Lord probably multiplied three more times. Said, here, you want to take a third? I'm going to give you 300% more. God's a creator. He's a creator. But He's creating in you. In you. And so it says, not of corruptible seed, but you're being created. So, uh, number one, uh, creation. Number two, the moment you trust in Christ, your Lord and Savior will give you His Holy Spirit. That's in 1 Corinthians 12. And then He's your helper. John 14, we already had it. I will ask the Father to give you another helper. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Don't just look to Him for the manifestations of the gifts. Look to Him for help. Look to Him for help. How many of you have been a caretaker? Right? That person can't really do anything on their own anymore. They're just relying on you for help. The Holy Spirit says, just look to me for help. Just let me, let me be your caretaker. How much help do you need? A lot of help. Just, just help me out, Lord. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. And you say, but pastor, I never prayed for one person that got healed. So, is the Holy Spirit helping you? Yes. Well, we'll work on the rest of it. Let's keep going. The Holy Spirit is your helper. Amen? Okay. Um, and uh, he gives wisdom. Isaiah eleven twelve. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And the, and the Holy Spirit is an awesome gift giver. He just wants to give you gifts all the time. 
Because the, the father of the heart is to give to his children how much exceedingly precious promises, abundant. The Holy Spirit is a gift giver. So look to him for your gift. What does that mean? Don't look to try and do it yourself. I'm not saying don't go to work. Please do go to work. I'm saying to you, don't get afraid. You say, but pastor, my finances are starting to slip. Keep your heart righteous. God will make it up to you. Don't fall into the trap the devil gives you. Don't become anxious. Trust the Lord. Do you understand God can cancel your debt if he wants to? Do you, do you understand he's a God of repentance and forgiveness? He can make it go away in a heartbeat. Do you understand that a bank can think it made an error, doesn't even know it made an error, and all of a sudden you got money in your bank account, you don't know where it came? I've seen these things. God is able to do. He's a gift giver. He gives you gift. How many of you have, in this, in this assemblage you're watching on television, how many of you had a death sentence announced upon you by a doctor or something else? How many of you? They said you weren't going to live. Hey, you're alive. Me too. God's a gift giver. What what they said wasn't true. Right? God gave life. He's a gift giver. The Holy Spirit. In my instance, my mother, a registered nurse on her knees, me dying with leukemia, given less than 24 hours to live, bleeding through everything, wasting away. She said, take them off of everything. I was two years old. She got on her knees. And, and she, had just, she just began to learn about the Lord. She was just beginning to learn about the Holy Spirit. She wasn't walking in this power. She had never laid hands on anybody to be healed. She said, Lord, I give you my son. You either take him now or give him back to me. And if you do, I co- covenant with you that he will be a man of God. Took me a while to get there. <laughs> the Holy Spirit came into the room that night. She felt the presence of the living God in the room. And in the morning, I wasn't bleeding anymore. Seven days, I was out of the hospital. God gave back life. The Holy Spirit gives. He's a giver. How much can He give? How much do you need? Trust God. And tell the Lord. Let Him know. He knows your heart. Believe God in any circumstance, any situation that you're in. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Not to just, you know what? It's nice, and and we need it. Sometimes people are dying, and they're in a lot of pain, and they take them out of their pain with morphine. I'm not not against that. But you know what's better? For the Lord to give back to life. You understand? And He'll do that too. So we don't want just comfort. Comfort's great. I want a resolution, God. Amen. I'm glad that the Lord just didn't leave me as a cripple in pain over my whole body the rest of my life in a wheelchair. He decided not to just teach me comfort, but He gave me healing. Praise God. So comfort is good. Healing's good with comfort. Amen. Amen. He gives us guidance. You are led by the Spirit. You're not under the law. All of God's Spirit are God's children. And He's living inside of us. And we understand that everything that He is is alive. And finally this, and I already shared it with you, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it says that at this point that, 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 that we grieve God. We grieve God. And so why don't we make a covenant with one another today? And, and I'm not going to ask you to do something that you may not keep. Because you may fail ignorantly without even intention. But I will ask you to do this because I think you could keep this. Here's what I invited the Lord to do in my life. After I realized that I'd been grieving the Holy Spirit, I said, Lord, never let me fall into that state again. 
Lord, and, and I, I saw it like this. There's a thermometer that goes from 1 to 10. Lord, I ask you to put the degree on 10. And the minute I begin to slip, I want you to push the button. I want to know that I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. I want to know that I'm grieving you, Father. Please, with your mercy and your grace, don't let me slip down in my own pride and arrogance and, and, and indifference. And, 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 and don't let me do it. So put it at 10. And you know what I think he does? I got a pretty sensitive button when it comes to grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes it takes me a day, sometimes a week. But I'll tell you, I get a button. When I've grieved the Holy Spirit, that's all I need to know. I get on my face and I begin to ask the Lord to show it to me and to help me because I don't want to grieve that precious heart of God that's in me. So might I just ask you, might I just ask you, are you willing to make that same prayer to the Lord? Are you willing to say, Lord, show me when I might be grieving the Holy Spirit so that I can react as I'm supposed to act? And it's okay to pray this way too. And Lord, give me the strength. Give me the strength I need to respond and do what I'm supposed to do. You know what it may require you to do? It may require you to go to somebody and ask their forgiveness face to face. It may require you to undo something you did. It may have a cost to it. It's not just a matter of repenting to God. It means you may have to repent to somebody else. But when you do, then you have literally put yourself back in the place of God's fullness and grace in all of his indwelling of the Holy Spirit moving through you. So are you willing to do that? I'm not going to lead you in a prayer you're not willing to do. But I'm going to tell you, it's, it's almost like a no-lose proposition. It, right? I mean, there's, there's no good reason not to do that unless right now you're saying, you know what, I'm sinning and I don't want to repent. Well, I can take care of that too. We just pray. So why don't we do that first, and then we'll move to that one, and then I'm going to release the power of God for a, a fresh indwelling and move of the Holy Spirit, which I'll show you in the scripture amen i'd like to ask you for every head to be bowed every eye closed please only me looking everybody please and if you're on television the same thing and i just want you to to agree with me right now and say father i ask you to cleanse me take away my sins take away my arrogance and pride take away the patterns of my life that are strongholds help me father to overcome them by your power, I ask you to put it all under the blood. Jesus, forgive me that I have to come back under the blood again. But I thank you that I do. And I believe that I'm forgiven and washed clean. Now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord or your Savior, or you've fallen back and you haven't been walking right in him, I'd just like you to put your hand up or, or, or agree with me on television, please. And I want to pray for you. And pray this prayer with me. Everybody, please. Say, Father, I believe in God. And I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He is my Savior. And by His blood, I am forgiven. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins. That He descended into hell. He paid the price. He paid the price to justify me. He was resurrected and seen again of man and ascended into heaven. He's the living God. I ask you to forgive me my sins, to be the Lord of my life. And I ask you to give me the strength to walk with you. And now I ask your Holy Spirit to indwell me in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what I would like to ask you is this. Are you prepared? And I believe this is a safety mechanism in your life.
Because God will answer it. Are you prepared to say, Lord, don't allow me to slip away from your grace. Don't allow me to slip away from a real sensitivity to your Holy Spirit. I want to be even more sensitive, and I want to be uh, sensitive to everything that you do. Are you willing to pray that? And, and, then, and then we're going to ask him for the strength. Say, Father, I ask you, Lord, to not allow me to slip away. I give you all entitlement, O oh God. I surrender to you that if I begin to grieve your Holy Spirit, that you will alert it inside of me. Holy Spirit, you will make it so that I cannot question that I am grieving you. And I ask you to show me how to make it right with you, with man, and most of all, myself as well. Help me, Lord. Keep me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.